0: Support for this podcast comes from Guardian Jobs. Guardian Jobs provides a range of recruitment and branding solutions with access to a monthly audience of 149 million users. They offer a range of innovative talent attraction and content options, ranging from the latest programmatic and behavioral targeting to developing content partnerships on themes such as the future of work and women in tech for organizations like Deloitte and Sky. To find out how they can help you, visit recruiters.theguardian.com. That's recruiters.theguardian.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 52 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The popularity of moving recruitment in-house continues to grow across businesses of all sizes. Setting up an in-house recruiting function can be a learning experience for everyone involved, as things are often much more complex in reality than they seem to be in theory. My guest this week is Nick Yockney, head of people for crowdfunding platform Property Partner. Since his switch from agency to in-house, Nick has been responsible for setting up two in-house recruitment functions. In the interview, he is very open and honest about his experiences and what he's learned. Hi Nick and welcome to the podcast. Hey Matt, how you doing? Very good indeed, very good indeed. Friday afternoon, I think we're both looking forward to the weekend.
1: Absolutely, I'm uh, currently sat in Moorgate in London uh, tucked away in a little cupboard, talking to you. So uh, it's uh, it's going to going to be going to be a good day.
0: Good stuff. So could you uh, start by just telling everyone a little bit a little bit about you, uh, your background, and what you're doing now?
1: Sure. So I, I think I'll do that in reverse order. Um, I'm currently head of uh, head of people for Property Partner. Uh, Property Partner, for anyone that doesn't know, is a crowdfunding platform that allows individuals to invest in property. Um, My role here is a combination of recruitment and HR, uh, more focused on recruitment than HR, uh, previously to that, I was head of talent for Chelsea Apps Factory, which is a uh, software consultancy uh, focusing in on mobile uh, technology. That's based in West London. I was head of talent there for a couple of years. And before that, I was uh, sat on the recruitment agency side for probably somewhere between nine and 10 years uh, in various different companies uh, across uh, London and Bristol.
0: So... How did you find the transition from agency recruiter to in-house recruiter? <laughs> um,
1: it was an interesting one for me because I'd worked in agencies for for a number of years, and to be honest with you, I I never kind of got to myself into a position where I wanted to open up my own agency, um, and I was. little bit at a loss as to kind of what I was going to do with my career um I'm sure there's probably quite a number of uh, recruitment agents that kind of go through this so just to give your listeners some context I'm 35 now so uh I was I was approaching you know kind of uh just going past 30 when I when I had this thought that perhaps I ought to do something different um and the main thing that I found about going in-house was that it was really difficult to make the transition from moving having worked in agencies for so long into an in-house role, it was, it was virtually impossible. Um, you know, I probably applied to about 30 or 40 jobs, uh, before, um, I actually got the job at Chelsea apps factory. Um, I had lots of interviews, uh, and I had a lot of very standard feedback, which was, we think you've got some skills, uh, but you've never worked in house before. So we're going to go with someone else. Um, so I think that that's you know the first thing that I would sort of counsel anyone who is thinking about moving from agency to in-house is that it's going to be quite a hard slog to uh, to make that transition, uh, especially at what I would describe myself. You know, I was at a relatively experienced level, so I, I wasn't looking to kind of go in as a junior. Um, so that was that was quite interesting to start off with. Um, the second part of going in-house, the kind of initial part was, uh, and this is something I'm, you know, I, I'm quite keen to kind of touch on, is that a lot of startups and, um, you know, businesses that will probably give individuals a chance don't necessarily know what it is that they're looking for. Um, and that's through no fault of their own. Uh, it's just the fact that they normally have uh, looked at their agency spend, thought, goodness, that's very high, um, and maybe we could spend maybe we could pay someone to do this for us. Um, but if you've never been in-house before, it's very, very easy to turn up somewhere and to sort of overpromise promise uh, to, to say that you can fix everything and that you'll just work incredibly hard to make everything better um, when you actually don't have all the facts in your hand. And even now, you know, kind of having been through it, uh, you know, this is my second time around setting up a department, um, I still think that, it takes quite a lot of experience as an in-house recruiter to be able to ask the right questions uh, to founders and to people employing you as to what it is that they exactly want and they
0: need from you. Okay. That, um, that, that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, I want to talk about what it's like to set up a in-house recruitment, team from 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 scratch or an in-house recruitment service from scratch it sounds like you're working for a couple of companies who are having in-house recruitment for the for the first time is there a particular you mentioned agency spend do you think there's a particular trigger or a size of company um that makes people um suddenly decide they want to um bring their recruitment in-house
1: um yes (laughs) i do i think that i think that when i think most businesses are happy to grow from you know one to say sort of 10 or 15 people um and spend a little bit of money on agencies because they tend to you know and look I am talking generalizations here so I you know I'm, I'm not the authority on uh, on how how businesses grow but I but I definitely sort of think that look when you're spending you know you might as a business sort of think okay it's all right for us to spend 30, 40, thousand pounds on agencies while we're growing but then when you're sort of looking at that and you think well it's cost us forty thousand pounds to hire the last let's say five or six people you know let's just take that as a kind of you know as a rough number and then you think okay well we want to scale and we want to scale by you know 30 people um you know those numbers all of a sudden in their head start to add up very quickly um and i don't think it's necessarily just about agency spend uh as well i i think you know i i'm going to you know, outright say here that you know there are some very good recruitment agencies out there who who might not necessarily cost the absolute earth, but I think there's also as well. It's about managing that process. You know, about helping businesses scale really quickly, and about having a about bringing expertise in house, which is around um, advising companies um, about how quickly uh, it's possible to get people in the, through the door. Um, you know, when you're looking at the relationship that a uh, recruitment agency has with a uh, business, I mean, the ideal scenario is, is that they're acting in a in a partnership, which, you know, I know that does happen on occasion, but I think, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, a, a business will get into, what I would call some sort of hiring crisis, and then they'll go to an agency and they'll be pressurizing that agency to deliver CVs incredibly quickly, um, and what you what you then end up is in a situation where maybe you're not getting the best people or maybe the agency is looking at their fee, you know, in terms of we want to earn money. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, maybe someone who's working in house might be able to say to them, look, you'd be better off looking at a different op- opportunity here. Like try and think of a different solution, because actually the cost and the time that you're going to put into spending, you know, trying to find something through an agent, you might as well have got the job done in a different way. Um, does that make sense? So I feel like I've rambled on a little bit. There.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, it, obviously, it's uh, something that that happens on a case by case basis for um, a lot of a lot of companies. But I think, particularly in the startup world, there are obviously, you know, the obviously the sort of triggers that you that you talked about that causes um, founders to 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 think about setting up their own um, own recruitment function, basically.
1: I was going to say, man, as well. I think that one thing that I would say is I think that it's become a lot more normal now for startups to hire in-house teams. Um, you know, certainly when I let say when I was growing up, but when I was uh, when I was uh, when I was working as a recruitment agent, there was there was less of a focus on someone being an in-house recruiter and more of a focus on you know kind of HR taking over that function. Um, and I think now that certainly within the startup world with such a kind of view on cost and speed and you know quality of delivery um that founders are probably more and more inclined to look at who is going to be able to help them build and um, scale their companies quickly from a talent perspective
0: okay so how do you do it um you you go in on day one hopefully you you haven't overpromised. um <laughs> how have how, how have you got about it in the um in the in the sort of two companies that you've done this for
1: so um, I'm going to be. I'd like to be as honest <laughs> as honest as I can with you. In the in the first company that I worked at in Chelsea Apps Factory, it was very much um, you know a little bit by trial and error. Um, you know, it was an awful lot of hard work um, that I was having to do, an awful lot of late nights um, in order to make that work. Um, you know, and it was just graft really because I it was my first job as an in-house recruiter. I'd got all the skills that i brought with me from an agency. So I knew about, um, sourcing and kind of how to go about looking, looking for people. Um, and I knew about sort of interviewing, but apart from that, I was, you know, I was kind of learning on the job. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the one thing that's, that's interesting from, from me, from a perspective of kind of having moved in house is you're constantly now learning again. It's like, it's like learning, learning a new job in certain, in certain respects. Um, the first thing that I would advise anyone to do, you know, and this would be during the hiring process, is to understand exactly what it is that your company is looking for. You know, is is it is it that they're looking to increase uh, headcount across all divisions? Is there a specific division? Um, when I worked at Chelsea Apps Factory, we were hiring across a, a vast range of different skill sets. You know, that's anything from creatives uh, to iOS developers, project managers business analysts and some roles that I've never even heard of before. Um, so you've got to really understand where your strengths are and to start to try and get a feel of the rhythm of the business. Um, there were certain roles that I knew, even though that they were deemed as urgent, that, you know, that they wouldn't stop the business from operating. Whereas there were other roles which we had to prioritise um, higher than those because we knew that a project wouldn't be able to start because we didn't have that skill set available. So you, you've got to be really kind of you've got to be quite strategic to start off with about what it is that you're going to do, and then you've got to look at what tools are available to you and how you're going to kind of bring all of that together. I think that I think that kind of when you when you consider um, you're going to arrive in a startup, and there's no data. There's no database of people. Uh, there's no, you know. There's there's literally nothing. Um, you know, maybe a few spreadsheets and maybe a few CVs that people have received over the last, you know, kind of six months before you got there. So, the reality is is that you're not going to arrive on day one and fill all the roles by week four. Um, you know, you have to kind of look at look at that. So, if I had my time over again, I think I'd probably have looked back on that and said right I'm going to take the first three months to fill some of the roles um but I'm also as well going to build up systems um and lists and databases of contacts around the specific areas that we were going to hire
0: and what's the thing that surprised you the most about being in-house the
1: pressure (laughs) definitely the pressure of being in-house um it's something that you you aren't aware of when you sit on the agency side of about the fact that if you don't fill a role uh, a project can't start if the project can't start the company can't make money um, you know it really is kind of quite a different type of type of pressure um, from I mean the, the the key difference that I always kind of feel, uh, that I felt from from an agency from an age, when I was sat on the agency side, there was a there's a personal pressure, you know, based around your targets, around, um, you know, your monetary, you know, the the money that you bring into the business. Um, but when you're sat in a building with, you know, let's I sat next to the CTO of Chelsea Apps Factory for for a number of months while I was working on his roles. You know, and he could see that I was working on them, and he could see that we were, you know, that we were doing our very best to find the right people. Um, but in some cases, it was just proving very, very difficult. And you're all of a sudden very aware that, you know, because you can't find one one person, one person, or one individual set of skills, uh, that there's a whole team, you know, downstairs of maybe seven or eight people who aren't able to start their project. Um, you know, and I think that's. I think that's the thing that I've always found most surprising about it, um, and also as well, I think the other thing that I always find surprising is the the lack of understanding about what it is you know that that recruiters do, um, you know, and talent people can do for a business. Um, I think that in I think that in all companies that you speak to, and you know, I've got a, a good network of of friends who are all working um, you know in the same type of job as me. Um, where, where there's still a lack of understanding from hiring managers about just how recruitment works, you know, and kind of reality is that you know even if you need someone to start in three three weeks time, you know that person might not be available. So it's it's always been it's always been quite interesting to me from that perspective. Um, but I don't suppose that's news to to anyone that's been doing the job for a little while. I guess.
0: It, I think it's very good to to have that perspective on it because I I don't think we think people really talk about it. Um, very very often um, you know it's not something um, not something that I hear uh, discuss so it's uh, you know very interesting to you know get get your thoughts on it um, you mentioned sort of setting up tools and technologies and things like that now, especially in the the tech space um there's almost a a kind of a bewildering array of uh recruitment technologies that are um that are out there um what's what's your what's your view on that what what do you think people what do you think people should be using um what techniques have you found most useful um and what's just uh what's just kind of noise um that that should go away in the sector
1: yeah um so I'm going to be slightly ambiguous with my answer here, and I'm going to say that you should use what works for you. But I, but I do think that this is something that people rush into. Um, you know, there's there's almost a trend at the moment within recruitment where you know it's cool, or you know, I say cool, you know, it's it's fashionable to be seen to be using um, some niche sourcing technique that you know is um, you know looking at a very, you know, particular section of uh you know, sort of niche section of the internet. <laughs> so that sounds, sounds very strange saying that, but is, um look looking at um you know looking for this these tiny pockets of like sort of untapped talent. And I think the reality is is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel as recruiters. Um you know I still think that LinkedIn works, you know, I know that lots of people are on there. Um you know maybe the in mail section of that is less um you know is less useful than they would like you to think um but you know certainly is a kind of you know as as a kind of place to find names of people I don't think it's a bad place to start you know there's you know there's millions there's millions of people on there um I also as well just think that you know just people just need to learn one tool one or two tools and get really good with them it's a bit like going to a restaurant, you know, I, I you know, when you, have you ever been into one of these, you know, these diners where there's, you know, 500 things on the menu and you kind of think, are you, are you good at making all of these? You know, I'd, I'd much rather someone would be able to kind of come to me and say, look, this is, I use, um, you know, I, I'm really good at writing adverts and I'm really good at um, x-ray searching with LinkedIn. You know, I, I just sort of think what's, you know, what's the problem there? There's always going to be, regardless of how many tools you use, there's always going to be roles that you struggle with, you know. Um, the simple fact is is that we we as recruiters are not in um, in charge of the supply end of our business. You know, the supply end is the people who are out there. You know, and you know it, it takes an awful lot of uh, time in order to do that. But um, I guess in terms of tools that I've tools that I've used and that I've I've got something out of. Um, I really like Recruitem, which is a free open source tool, which is very easy for doing uh, Boolean searches on um, on onto LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I've used a paid for product called Open Web, which uh, is by Dice, um, which I thought was actually pretty good. It was in the early days. Um, Gary, who's there, one of their sales managers, I I've met, and you know he. He showed me the product, and I thought I'd give it a go. And it was very good for kind of searching things like Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but it all depends on what your budget is as well. You know, I know that there are you can spend as much or as little as you like. But I, I the things that I really don't really particularly appreciate is LinkedIn's recruiter account. I think that's incredibly expensive for what it is. Um, you know, and I also, as well, don't particularly uh, like the, the 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 cost model around you know getting involved with that I've, I've met with those guys a few times and it just sort of seems that you know if you want anything it's you know it's multiples of thousands of pounds uh, which i'm which I'm, i don't really agree with to be honest with you so so yeah so i guess that's that's my kind of you know very brief
0: comments on tools no thank you some some, some useful insight there um and uh, what about the future uh, where do you think in-house recruitment's going um you know what, what what's going to happen how do you see the next um 18 to 24 months panning out
1: oh i think i think i'd look i think i'd look further ahead than that actually i think that i think that there's definitely a move where talent and hr are now starting to merge um i think that um i think that recruiters are now being consulted more by the business, which I think is a really, really positive thing. Um, I'll give you an example, you know, when you're looking at uh, potentially assessing a new technology for a project, um, I think it's a really good thing when recruiters are consulted about how available are those people in the marketplace? Um, You know, what sort of costs do they have? Because I think previously, you know, uh, technology businesses would quite rightly be be led by the CTO and still should continue to be so, um, but it's no good turning up to a recruiter and requesting a very you know a hundred of these types of developers if there's a very niche technology associated with it. Um, so I think that I think the future for recruitment is that I don't think it's going to be, um, I don't think it's going to be reinvented. Um, I think that you're always going to need the human element of it. Um, I'm always a bit frustrated when whenever something comes out with a new algorithm or sort of tells me that, uh, that they, they're not, you know, you're not going to need people. I think recruitment is always going to need people. Um, and I think now it's also as well, the in-house route is now, you know, has a real kind of career structure to it, uh, which I think is a great thing for people to be able to enter the industry and to, and to grow. Um, I think that, I think that the roles now are becoming, more diverse Um, you know I mean my role now is is include does include include HR uh, which is something that I've you know dabbled with uh, when I was at Chelsea Apps Factory and now taking on much more of uh, within property partner Um, but I don't think that there's anything that's I don't think there's going to be a fundamental shift I don't think there ever really has been in the last three or four years um you know recruitment is 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 to do with supporting your business and the supply of people um it's quite simple you know it's quite simple as a as a as a basic construct of the job um i just think that we don't want to get lost in the noise of uh technology trying to trying to disrupt it um it's it's great to have tools but they'll never replace the people
0: nick thank you very much for talking to me thanks matt my thanks to Nick Yorkney. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or in your podcasting app of choice. You can find all the past episodes of the show at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.